welcome everybody. This is a episode of SDGC After Hours. Uh, it is me, Zach, and I'm sitting down with Justin to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. There's a colon in that title somewhere. Uh, it is the most recent Star Wars release from EA. It is also their third stab uh, at the, the IP this generation. Uh, Justin, is this finally a time when EA gets Star Wars right? Um, yeah, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get into that, but like, um, I really, really ended up um, enjoying... Uh, this game quite a bit. It is not without uh, flaws. Uh, I'll I'll get into that because there's a lot to talk about on that front. But overall, I really enjoyed it, and I think this is a really this is the type of game that people have really wanted out of Star Wars for a long time, and I think it's going to be a crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's definitely a crowd pleaser, and I actually think it's it's one of the more interesting stories this generation coming from EA. Uh, so it is It is made from Respawn, the folks who made Titanfall, Titanfall 2, and of course Apex Legends, which is still super popular. Uh, but what makes this game so unique, actually, is uh, is the trajectory of this game actually coming out. So three-ish years ago, uh, there was basically a blog post from Respawn saying, hey, we're working with our partners uh, at EA. This is before they were acquired. And they said, we're going to make a Star Wars game. They didn't they didn't, uh, they didn't. really give a ton of details there. They just said, hey, we're using this IP. You're going to see something from us. And then uh, about 18 months ago at E3 2018, they said, hey, it's called Jedi Fallen Order. It's a dark game taking place uh, uh, right after the episode, episode three before episode four. Um, and they kept things really, really quiet. And they hadn't yeah, shown a lot, that, right? That was that weird, like... Vince Zampella, like, half-drunk in the audience at E3, just kind of, like, saying a couple sentences, like, yeah, like not even standing up from his seat, and then, then just cutting away and being like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird thing. I wouldn't go as far as, like, half-drunk, but it was a really strange thing, and it's it's even stranger because, like, while Vince is well-known for his work on Call of Duty and, and of course, Titanfall, like... It's not this. This studio is read, led by Stig, right? Um, well, yeah, this team. Um, this this team. team in Respawn is actually not um, the core Respawn team that people are familiar with. Um, so the one that used used to be a large majority of what was the old Infinity Ward working on Call of Duty that has um, you know since moved on to be doing Titanfall and Apex Legends. Um, and showing off a lot of real first-person shooter chops um, over the years. This is a new team uh, that was formed specifically to do a third-person uh, third-person action game, and it is led by uh, Stig Asmussen, who directed God of War three. Um, after uh, Corey Barlog exited the project very suddenly uh, early on in development, um, he took over and led the development of that game. Um, uh, he had been working on a new IP with Sony Santa Monica that got canceled, um, and a lot of people got laid off at that point. That's when he joined Respawn, and uh, this team kind of started uh, to, uh, started their project. So um, this is the first release from that second team at Respawn, which is very cool. Yeah, it's very cool, but also there's some like interesting quirks about this game as a final product because it hap- like it was greenlit before they were acquired, right? Yeah. So uh, for people who don't know, internal studios at EA have a soft mandate to be using Dice's Frostbite engine. Uh, it's a notorious. <laughs> I don't think it's that soft. Okay, it's not that soft. But so basically, uh, uh, 
EA's engine, which came from DICE, uh, was built for Battlefield games, and then at some point, EA uh, was basically pitched by DICE, hey, what if all of our studios made this? And the theory is great, because it's like, okay, we're all owned by this big parent company, we all use the same engine, we all all can help each other. Uh, It turns out an engine built from the ground up for first-person shooters isn't good for much else, and so it's a really, really tough engine to use. Yeah, and like, DICE has been struggling, like, a lot of the stories about, like, studios that have difficult with frostbite is like dice also just doesn't have enough resources to work on their own games as well as do support for every game in the pipeline um it's it's been a real thorn in ea's side this generation Absolutely, but uh, Respawn has actually managed to kind of go around this mandate because they hadn't been acquired at the time when this game was built, so this game is actually using Unreal Engine 4, uh, which is a huge surprise, again, coming from EA, but also uh, Respawn, this is the fourth game from Respawn, and also it's the fourth game not using DICE's engine because Apex and Titanfall have all been used modified source. Uh, so it's it's interesting to keep watching this, this studio make tremendously successful games. All of their games are above 80 on Metacritic, uh, and they're they're all using their own their own uh, uh, engines. Well, not their own engines, but not EA's in-house engine. So it's interesting to watch this kind of weird flex from this powerful studio. Yeah. One thing that's also interesting with uh, Fallen Order using Unreal Engine 4 is Unreal Engine 4 is actually being used like on set for The Mandalorian for special effects uh, pre-visualization. Um, so, like, I almost wonder if down the line, Disney might like be like, hey, we want stuff on Unreal Engine 4 because then we can share assets between movies and games and stuff. Um, That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah, like uh, there, there's been more recent like VFX-focused branches of Unreal Engine 4. And like uh, there's some really cool interviews with John Favreau saying that, like, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, they would like take the footage they had filmed from Mandalorian and like throw in some placeholder like explosion effects um, and stuff in Unreal Engine 4 to make sure they had the choreography that filmed that they needed for the final effect shots. Well, and that kind of highlights some of the marketing things we've seen around Fallen Order with like uh, Fortnite having special characters from Star Wars in it. Like there seems to be some synergy going on with with Unreal and Star Wars right now. So that's that's interesting details that I didn't have. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, the stormtroopers. I mean, stormtroopers are available in in Fortnite, Fortnite right now, right? Right, which is wild. I guess it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting game at an interesting time for both EA and for Respawn. Um, but all things considered, it's been a game that continues to show that that studio, despite other turbulence at EA, is is relatively solid, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I think yeah. they've really earned their reputation this generation. Um, I know there was a lot of excitement for them, uh, given you know previous pro- projects that a lot of the team was involved in last generation. But I think Respawn has also kind of forged their own identity and really done some cool stuff this generation. Um, and I'm really excited to see where they go next. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so Justin, I kind of want to. I know I kind of alluded to this when we get started. Uh, when we got started, but I kind of want to touch on. Um, I want you to take the lead on the setup of what Jedi Fallen Order is for people who aren't as familiar with uh, with what's going on. Okay, so um, Jedi Fallen Order takes place about five years after Order sixty six, which was uh, the purge of the Jedi when um, the clone troopers were called on by uh, Palpatine to execute. All of the Jedi. Um, uh, you play as Cal Kestis, who is a Padawan whose master sacrificed himself to protect him 
um, so that they could escape their their assignment. Um, so it takes place five years later. He's been in hiding. Um, he gets... And he, he's kind of cut himself off from the Force. He doesn't have a strong connection with the Force. Like, he still is Force-sensitive and has some, like, some basic abilities, but he is not a Jedi. He's working in a scrapyard. Um, his cover gets blown, and then he starts to get chased by the Empire's Inquisition. Um, and meets up with a, with a group that is trying to um, fi- find some information... Um, that will lead them to other Force sensitives, so they can restore the Jedi Order and fight the Empire. Yeah, it's very much a David and Goliath setup. Uh, I have a lot of praise that I can give this game, but I wouldn't say that it's a, an ambitious Star Wars story. It's a very safe, but all, all, all told, like an entertaining story, right? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I th- it went in a very different direction than I thought it was going to, just in terms of like tone and um, scope. Like, they managed to make it, like, a fairly personal um, story while still having, like, the larger scale stakes. And, um, well, I really like the characters. Um, Let's kind of talk about, like, Cal and his crew and stuff. So, um, his crew is made up of Seer, who is a former Jedi Master, um, and Grease, who is the pilot of your ship, of their ship, the Mantis, um, as well as BD-1, who is an adorable little... Um, Companion droid, yeah. Yeah, droid. Um, and they're great. Like, they, they have a really great dynamic, and they're really fun. And as, they, like, the sto- as this, like, st- um, story goes on, like, you can talk to them about their past. Like, Grease loves his great-grandmother <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Like, they're not, like, super complex, fleshed-out characters, but they're very charming, really enjoyable. I really liked the crew. Um, and then later on, there's a couple characters who unfortunately don't get too much screen time, but I thought were really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I feel like uh, Grease especially is a character who is, like... Danny DeVito meets his like character in Always Sunny, like they, like it's very much like, but but in a really endearing way, like a much more wholesome version. Oh yeah, of that, I was right? gonna say like, he's a bit more wholesome than yeah. than Frank. Um, but also yeah, so I want to talk about Seer too because I think uh, uh, Deborah Wilson, who some folks might recognize from her role in Wolfenstein uh, uh, two. Uh, does a tremendous job as Seer, uh, as somebody who, who like Cal, has closed herself off for the Force, but maybe for some different reasons that are revealed throughout the narrative. Um, but she's she's such a great character in um, helping Cal access emotions, but not not just uh, she doesn't exist to serve as a as a vessel for his emotions, but also to kind of share her perspective. And it's interesting to watch uh, uh, some reflection from Jedi who sometimes are shown to be really confident in their decisions. It's cool to see some vulnerability between those two, right? Yeah, and in like, and that was really neat because like she really embodies a lot of the fears like Jedi are often seen as having. Like she is somebody who has actually lived some of these things that a lot of Jedi are afraid of, um, and I don't want to get into specifics because they're they're pretty story relevant. But it ends up having a really neat dynamic between her and Cal. Um, and some of the other characters that you encounter throughout the game. Like, her story was something I was not expecting, and um, it it really impressed me. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the character work is, like, where this game seems like it's at its most confident, right? Like, the overarching story yeah. is, like, yeah, interesting, but, like, the characters are where I feel like it really shines. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated how this game kind of focuses on, like, some of the more spiritual sides of the Force, um, and, like, non-traditional Force users who we don't usually get to see too much of in, you know, Star Wars um Star Wars stuff. Like, we get to see, like, old temples of Force users that aren't Jedi um, and stuff like that. There's also um, a really cool blend of both prequels designs and original trilogy designs. Usually, like, we've seen they just choose to pick one or the other. Right. But given this is only five years after Order 66, it's before the actual Rebel Alliance is formed. Even though you do see, you know, rebels, they're just more of, like, a loose guerrilla group. So, like, they're flying, like, the bubble ships and stuff from the Clone Wars against the Empire who has, like, TIE Fighters and Stormtroopers and stuff like that. Um, It's really cool to actually see it blended and giving more continuity instead of just, like, kind of, like, picking a side with which trilogy it's going to take place in. Yeah, it's a really smart execution on the era, uh, and I'm I'm really impressed. And I and I do like some of the connections the game uh, makes that tie to Rogue One, uh, which is like set in a similar era. So it's it's cool. There's some crossover there. Um, but Justin, you know, we talked about our characters. We we talked a lot about Deborah Wilson's uh, role as Seer, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about Grease because I think he's so I love so central. I love Grease, but he's also so central to like the gameplay which is to say uh not not moment to moment but he's he kind of serves as your vessel to to get from point to point and i kind of want to talk about what it's like to play uh jedi fallen order so rather than a linear story which you might expect from a star wars game uh especially from you know the early 2000s uh it is more of a metroidvania where there are several different places you can go lots of different like little areas you can explore uh as well as a main path and so grease is the pilot of your ship and you pick a you pick a place to go similar to how you would in like a Mass Effect, and he kind of takes you there, and he also tells you a little bit about that planet, which is kind of a neat neat little thing for him to do, right? Yeah, like he he's kind of afraid of a lot of them and stuff, but um, because of that, he ends up he ends up being able to give some of these like lore dumps that feel very natural because you know Cal doesn't know what this planet is, and this guy's kind of freaking out so you know you're asking him why he's so nervous um and it really works i also really loved how they transition between planet like um you have like your hollow table in the middle of the ship you choose which planet you want to go to and then it you can look out the cockpit window and you can see the ship rising going into space and going into hyperspace and then you know you can walk up into the cockpit and you know usually grease and seer have a conversation um that kind of can allude to stuff in their in their backgrounds or just is, you know, kind of an entertaining story. And then, you know, when it when the loading is done, you like sit in your co-pilot seat and then and then you land. Um it's just kind of like a nice transition that hides a lot of the like loading. It's smart it, design. Yeah, it, it adds like it adds some nice flair to it. Um Yeah. But well, before before we get to like what it's like to actually be on the ground and, and play the game, I kind of want to just say one last thing about Grease that I really liked, sure. which was that um, you know Star Wars is often a series that shows uh, blatant heroism and blatant villainy, um, and I felt like Grease was a cool exploration of like 
people who have flaws, which get revealed about some of uh, uh, Grease's vices, uh, but also people who are maybe not as brave as others, but they can still do heroic things that you know are, are redeeming and charming and valuable. And he just feels like a, a really interesting way to show heroism that you don't often see in Star Wars. Yeah, like, and I don't want to call him a, like a reluctant hero because he's genuinely wants to help he's just worried about helping um no like i really liked this crew because i thought it was like a neat take on the whole like you know misfits fighting against the empire thing that comes up in star wars like they're all very skilled in different ways but they do have enough diverging um desires and personalities that i think makes them a neat mix Absolutely. Uh, so, Justin, will you talk to me a little bit about what it's like to to run around on the various levels sure. and planets on this game? So, um, when you're on the ground, th- there's so many Metroid Prime vibes I got from this game. Uh, just down to how the, the you know, map looks and everything. So, when you're on the ground, you're controlling Cal. Um, and, you know, he explores. He has meditation areas, which is where you can go rest heal and upgrade your character if you do rest enemies respawn um it's a very souls-esque um flow to it although not nearly as punishing like if you die you're not you do lose experience between like between the skill points that you've gotten however you just have to hit that enemy to get them back you do not have to defeat them and like Hitting that enemy will also fully restore your force power and your health. So, um, it's, it's not, generous. Yeah, it, it's very generous, but it kind of does add, you know, that same level of tension. Um, combat is also very similar. It's, um, like, if you played Sekiro, there's a lot of, parry, like, timed parrying and dodging. Um, and especially against, like, Empire forces, they don't have a ton of health. They can't really stand up to a lightsaber. Um, which is, which is a nice dynamic because some enemies can still even be challenging even with that. And then, you know, there's a lot of large, angry local wildlife that you encounter. Yeah. Um, Some of the hardest enemies in the game, right. Are like those are the wildlife more than like people. Yeah. Yeah. Early on in the game, like I was like tearing my way through stormtroopers and then getting like fucking wrecked by toads and mountain goats. goats. (laughs) Oh my Uh, God. Uh, but yeah, they do a really good job, I think, with the lightsaber. Um, like, it doesn't feel like a baseball bat, but it's also not overpowered. Although, like, Stormtroopers, one hit and they're done. Um, as it should be. Yeah. Um, but, like, you can completely bisect, like, the rats and, like, um, and stuff. Like, and, like, when you fight some of the, like, droids, you just you know cut right through them and it's like glowing melting metal and stuff it's really satisfying um especially once you get more of the force abilities and can kind of mix those in um because with cal's force abilities he can um slow down time uh force push force pull um and then you get some other like lightsaber upgrades and stuff that unlock new um kind of new fighting styles for him um, when exploring on the planets, there's a lot of chests and stuff, and they kind of took an interesting approach. Um, not too many of the things that you can find off the beaten path really directly impact your gameplay. Um, there are a few that do. 
Um, but it's mostly like cosmetic items, like uh, paint jobs for the Mantis, uh, paint jobs for BD1, and ponchos for Cal. Um, yep. Which I just think it's very funny that one of the main collectibles is just a bunch of ponchos. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it, I, I have kind of mixed feelings on it, because like, on the one hand, it's nice to not have the like triple A game thing of like, here's a bunch of colored loot, and this will give you like 2% more damage when using right. this ability. But also, like especially like the ponchos and stuff, they, they don't look great. Um it's like it's like the idea is great, which is like cosmetic only loot, awesome, but like the the variance is so slim, especially for the ponchos that it ended up being like very negligible to me. Like I was just, I guess the thing is like what, what you talked about, which is the level design. Um, one of the this game's core influences, one of them is Dark Souls, and Dark Souls is a game that heavily rewards players to explore. And Metroidvania style games generally do this too. And so it feels like you have all these tools at your disposal to go and explore. And the biggest benefit for doing hard challenges or exploring and finding something is like, hey, a turquoise shirt. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like it just it's underwhelming, right? Yeah, like and the thing is, thankfully, um, you, you hit on a big point that I wanted to hit on with that, but, like, thankfully, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and, like, off the beaten path, you can find some really gorgeous environments. There are optional mini-bosses on a lot of the planets um, that are fun to find. Um, like, and then there's a couple areas that have a really good story um, to them. Like, there's this one crashed... Um, large crashed vessel on one of the planets that is a completely optional area that has a bunch of really cool fights in it and a really, really good story um, that you can uncover. Um, OBD-1 can scan things. Like, this is another place where the Metroid Prime influence comes out. When you defeat an enemy, BD-1 can scan it. Um, You can scan things in the environment to get more information. And then Cal can also kind of touch things and get, like, a force echo of what happened. Um, so all those elements kind of come together. So I enjoyed exploration for, hey, I uncovered a new path or, you know, here's some cool lore. Here's a cool environment or a cool encounter. But like in terms of the actual like loot that you get from doing it, it's very minimal. Although there was one thing I found early on in the game that ended up being a really cool thing just because I happened to check that planet after getting a certain ability. Um, that was neat. So, like, there's there's flashes of, like, the really exciting, like, Metroidvania, Dark Souls-style, like, discovery. But, unfortunately, the, like, lack of variety in a lot of these cosmetic items kind and, you know, the lack of gameplay um, impact kind of limits that a bit. Yeah, and I think part of that for me... Um Part of the Dark Souls formula that doesn't work for me here is like I like the accordion style way that the maps feel like they're expanding for you. Like when you first go through, it's like a it's like a condensed accordion, and then when you come back later, you find more and more ways that the accordion is spreading, and there's more shortcuts that you can be found that that can be found. Um, where areas that took an hour to get through can now take five minutes because you unlocked you know a little a little path here and there. 
And some of sometimes uh, these shortcuts are triggered by you getting new abilities. You know, you're you're fighting more ways to use the force, which I think are really satisfying. But there are some annoying ones that are similar to Dark Souls, where it's like, nope, this door is locked from this side, and then you have to go yeah. find the other side of it. And like that part feels like it's like they lean on that a little too much at times for me. Uh, we're like, oh, the door is locked. Find another way around. And like, yeah. And sometimes it's a long way around to get to yeah. like the other side of that door. And then there are some areas that like, like. I have almost all planets, I think, at, like, 97% completion. But there are some areas... Like, there's no fast travel whatsoever. Um, so, like, there's some areas that I can't remember how to get to, like, get back to. Because I've opened up shortcuts, and now the shortcuts take me to, like, a different level of it. And, like, it's hard to get back to some of the places. Like, I, I'd like to go get 100%, but it's just kind of frustrating to get back to some of these locations. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly that. Kind of another um, pillar of the game that we haven't really talked about yet is, like, some of the traversal. It takes a lot of cues from, like, you know, Uncharted and Tomb Raider, but spices them up a little bit with, you know, force abilities and stuff. So towards the end of the game, it gets really fun. You can chain, like, wall runs and double jumps, like, force pulling, like, a rope to swing across, um, sliding and stuff like it, it it's not like super complex but i think they kind of implemented those sections pretty well and i thought they were you know enjoyable yeah i think using the force in exploration is really really rewarding in this game uh one thing i did want to touch on briefly and i and i'm interested to see if there's a difference between us um justin i know you played on like the the normal difficulty and i uh, wanted to get the most out of the game as, as I could, which isn't a dig on you, Justin. It's like, I wanted this game to last as long as I could, so I put on the hardest difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I found frustrating uh, was kind of... Not every game needs to be a power fantasy, but sometimes when you're playing as a Jedi, I anticipate this power fantasy being a thing. And when you carry the lightsaber, it does often feel like that when you're facing humans. Uh, But I felt like the way this game dishes out your force powers, which is through a meter that is charged from physical, from from hitting people or just slowly over time recharging, um, it ends up feeling like you need to use the force kind of sparingly and and you don't always feel as powerful as you want. it, I guess I guess a good contrast, and I want to see your opinion on this, is like, I want to compare this to Control, uh, which came out earlier this year from from Remedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remedy's whole thing was like, we're going to give you these awesome powers to go in and be a badass in this exploration and, and kick ass in combat and do with it what you can, be creative. And, and in Star Wars, there's, there's this kind of creativity in Fallen Order, but it doesn't always feel like you have the power to do what you want. Like, you can't just constantly be be throwing your lightsaber and, and throwing people off cliffs, right? Yeah. So, like... I kind of have mixed feelings about that because I do, I do agree. I think it was less of an issue for me. I played on, like, the equivalent of normal. I had started on hard, but for reasons we'll get to um, in kind of the bad section, I turned it down, uh, and it wasn't just because of difficulty. Um, yeah, there's just that spikes. Was, that was a component of it. But, um, like, on the normal difficulty, I thought it was, like, a really good difficulty until, like, a little bit past the halfway point, and then I thought it got real easy. Um as, like, you got more skills and stuff. But, like, I'm torn because I obviously do really want to go around wrecking shit control style as a Jedi, but also, like, I kind of liked being limited a little bit because, especially when you're trying to tell some of these interstitial Star Wars stories, like, like, Force Unleashed is an extreme example. Like, how is there this super powerful Jedi that, like 
no one has ever mentioned before, where, you know, Cal is just kind of a teenage kid trying to learn, you know, learn as he goes. Um, right. He's not like, he's not like a super powered character. Um, you know, he can fight, you know, stormtroopers pretty well, but he's not. I mean, he was only a Padawan yeah. when, when shit yeah. went, shit went south, right? Yeah. He was a Padawan and he's, he, he's doesn't even have, like starts off the game without, you know, not even having all of his abilities from when he was a Padawan. So like, um, like for me, it worked like on a narrative level, but on a gameplay level i i do agree yeah and it's it'll be interesting to see you know based on some of the sales numbers we're seeing this game was pretty damn successful um because of what star wars is you can't do the tomb raider style thing where like oh you crash landed and you lost all your gear you're gonna slowly get it back like I, i'm interested to see how they might tackle this in a potential future iteration uh yeah, like a way to limit it without it being me too because I, I i did actually really like the conceit of this game of you know he was kind of cut off from the force because he was in hiding and suppressing his connection to the force. Like, I thought that was actually a pretty good conceit for this first game and for him yeah. building up his abilities. I don't know how they can quite do it again. I mean, they're, you know, without getting into spoiler territory, um, you know, two, I got two, I have two things I want to say. One, it's, it's not impossible that they would say Kale will still be in future iterations of this game but you will not be playing as him. Like you could be, you know, if if he has friends or people he's mentoring, maybe you play as them. Um, and I also think that might tie into one of the biggest criticisms generally people have had with this game, and I don't disagree, which is that uh, the performance for Cal is very strong, but Cal is written as a pretty bland character at times. I mean, he's got some cool inner stuff, but mm-hmm. so so I'm interested to see how they how they you know those yeah. two things might collide see- in a future version. Cal actually worked for me. Like, I get why people have some complaints for him, but, like, I really bought him as, like, a teenage kid out of his element. Uh, Like, there were some points where, like, I think it was even probably just the actor reading off, you know, lines, but, like, when you're, like, collecting some of these lore entries, he's, like, I work at a school, so, like, he sounds like a teenage kid, like, reciting something he learned in history class. And stuff, and for me, that kind of worked. Um, he's not the—he's definitely not the coolest character that's been in Star Wars, uh, um, of course. But like, I liked that he was somebody that wasn't—you um, know—this portrait of super cool, super stoic Jedi. Um, yeah, no, he was like—he was like a Peter Parker ass Jedi, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison right there. It'll be interesting uh, uh, to see what they do with Cal in the future. Uh, I, you know, we were talking about uh, the actor's performance. I want to know how this game ran for you because I think that was another big criticism across the board from a lot of people. Was this game did not uh, uh, graphically and performance-wise really, really work? Yeah. So that is my big criticism with this game, and it was such an issue for me that like it would have been a game of the year contender for me if this hadn't been such a major issue. Um, and like I played control, which had spotty performance, but like you could play for a while and it would hold its performance level. And then like something big would happen and you'd be like, okay, that drops the frame rate with this. It's just really stuttery for no reason. Like a lot of the exploration through the environment is just hitching and stuttering and, it's running at a much lower resolution than games tend to on the PS4 Pro and using 
Unreal Engine 4. Um, like, if you look at some of the effects, um, they're not as high quality as a lot of Unreal Engine 4 games are. Like, I think the game at times can look amazing, and at times it can look really bad. Um, it like, looks like early, it looks like 2013, 2014, like Xbox One, PS4, vanilla, like often to me, like that, that kind yeah. of benchmark. Yeah, um, and like I, I played the game in the in the resolution mode because the performance mode is completely uncapped on the PS4 Pro, and it it never even really approaches 60. It's like just constantly up and down, up and down, really lurchy, at least like having a 30 FPS cap improved it somewhat but it's still and it's weird because like a lot of the combat sequences played fine but like i kind of wanted to be able to you know walk around the the like some of these environments and explore and it was you know stuttering a lot uh there was a lot of like physics glitches uh, especially in cutscenes. like if you had the poncho on cal like it would get stuck in these ridiculous positions um, like it had like a box underneath it when he was just standing there. It would look like the wind was blowing heavily indoors. Sometimes his like lightsaber would just be spinning around like a helicopter on his oh belt. Oh my god. Um, there was one time where Siri's eyes kind of popped out of her head for a while. Um, I fell through the ground several times. One time I beat a boss, the game immediately crashed. Um... Uh, when you die, it's, like, a solid two-minute load time. And the game isn't that easy. Like, that was actually a big part of why I turned the difficulty down and kept it down, even after the game got a lot easier. Because I just didn't want to deal with those The load, load times were more punishing than the actual yeah. combat. Um, yeah. And there's just, all in all, it, there was a huge lack of polish, which really disappointed me considering the Star Wars IP and Respawn. Um, Respawn is a studio I hold in very high regard. Um, you, you know this, Zach. Um, they're one of my favorite yeah. studios. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And, like, if this game had had, like, a few more months, it would have been incredible. Oh, um, yeah, for, for sure. Well, and I, so I, I played on PC, and I turned my settings way lower than I had to um, just to just to get a solid 60. Uh, but it's exactly what you said. Like, I turned my settings... I think I was playing... I have a 1080 Ti, and I was putting the game at 1080p just to try to, like, get some semblance of stability. And there would still be points where, like, the frame rate would tank to, like, 40 FPS for a couple seconds and then go back up. And it would it would be so reproducible that I could go step over a certain spot. So it's, like... It's almost like there's, like, a, a loading issue with bringing in new textures and parts of the world. Yeah. It's just... Th yeah. Th there were times where I could move the camera fast enough that the culling was too slow to keep up. And this was at the default camera sensitivity with an analog stick. So, like, it wasn't even just, like, texture popping. It was entire parts of the world would disappear and then reappear as I turned the camera. Um, and there was a lot of texture popping and stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating, right? Because it's, it's like we have this mountain of praise for the, for the game, but it's just, like, it came in so hot, so evidently, um, that it's... Uh... It's just kind of a mar on an otherwise uh, an otherwise good game. I guess one last thing that didn't really fit into our overarching, uh, you know, let's kind of get into our broad broad uh, uh, verdict on the game. Justin, I I feel like this was a really really good video game that looked at a lot of the the third person action games we've played this generation and took a lot of great ideas from them and executed on them well. 
Uh, I, I feel like sometimes the identity is missing, even with a Jedi lightsaber. I, I'm interested to see what you kind of felt about that. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree. Um, although I, I do think that kind of the vibe of this game, I mentioned this earlier, is a bit different than what I expected and kind of what we see a lot of times from Star Wars. But that was a good thing for me. Um, I can definitely understand, you know, hey, I'd rather be out fighting the Empire more than exploring this lost civilization's temple and stuff like that, um, which a lot of this game is. Um, but I, I know for me, this this was a game I've wanted to play for a long time, and like I'm so excited we finally got it You know, for Star Wars. Um, this is the style of game I really like. It merges what I like about you know a lot of the big AAA cinematic games with like the metroidvania soul style stuff it just for me it was just so unpolished and buggy that it really held back um the game i think probably by the time a lot of people that haven't you know bought it already are going to be playing this like probably right around the time that episode nine comes out um you know holidays and everything it could be patched up by then. And yeah. if they do, like, that's kind of the unfortunate thing is this isn't like, you know, with like a competitive multiplayer game where if there's big issues, we get communication from the studio right away. There's been almost none about potential patches and updates, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think, you know, um, if you're interested in this game, de- definitely play it. Um, I just highly recommend maybe waiting for uh, some patches, especially if you're on console. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I do think the core of the game is really great. And, um, I mean, I, I know, especially when you're making something in such a big IP, especially when they have a big movie release coming out and you're trying to meet that deadline, it's really difficult. I'm not being hard on, on you know, the developers. I'm sure they knew that there was issues, um, and I'm sure they had to get it out, you know, to be out before Black Friday, to be out before the movie. Um, there's a lot of difficulty with that. Yeah, um, abso- when you're absolutely. Working on, like, like, and you know when, and they're working with Disney and EA, which are two enormous corporations trying to, you know, deliver this. So like, I'm not trying to be hard on the team. I'm sure they wanted extra time that they just weren't able to get um, for various reasons. But, yeah, um, I mean, but like general reception and say early sales numbers indicate that that while they have some work to do to get performance up to snuff, it seems like EA actually has a pretty sizable hit on their hands, right? Yeah, and that's really exciting for me, right? Because EA has really tried to turn everything into a live service this generation and has had very mixed at best results. Mixed at best, yeah. Um. And I think, especially with, like, the Star Wars IP, I think people really do want single-player narrative stories um, from this. And, like, I really hope EA sees this and is like, hey, maybe we don't have to have every series be a live service. Like, hey, maybe BioWare can just make BioWare-ass single-player games and stuff like that. And, hey, maybe not all of our teams need to use Frostbite. Um, Like, I, I really hope this sends the right message to EA um, it seems like the game's doing really well, so I'm very happy for Respawn on that front. Like I said, I really do love the core of this game. Um, and I really hope that... I really hope they take the right message from this. Um, and I, I think I think they will. I think Respawn's got a really good head on their shoulders. 
Um, and I'm excited to see where they go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely feel the same way. For a long time, people have said that a single-player Star Wars game just wasn't going to happen, or it wasn't going to be executed on to its fullest extent. Um, but, I mean, this is, this is like, a direct contradiction of that. Like, EA gave Respawn enough time, maybe not as much as they would have liked to, to polish it up, but, like... It feels like it feels like Respawn is a super super competent developer um, who who got everything right and they finally were the team to kind of make a competent kick ass single player game that has I mean obviously Battle Battlefront two did have a a campaign but uh, the main focus was his multiplayer which kind of flopped out the gate but like this it's is gotten a, this better is, it has <laughs> it, gotten, it like has that gotten actually better. has gotten better. Yeah, it, it definitely has gotten better, but I guess this is like this is so, it's like solely a single player experience, and it's a damn good one. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping the best for Respawn. Hoping EA learns some important messages, like you said. Um, if you give Respawn a couple couple weeks, maybe a month, I bet it'll perform damn well too. Yeah, I, I they're not a studio. I think would just put it out and drop it. Um, I mean, it, maybe they have to. I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but like I think there at least is going to be an effort made on that front. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I think that will do it for our Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order After Hours talk. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Uh, of course, you can catch... All of our uh, all of our social content over at uh, at official SCGC on Twitter. We go live weekly Thursdays 9 p.m. Eastern time with SCGC Live, our podcast where we talk about gaming news and we have some guests from the industry. So uh, if you're new to us, please come check that out. Uh, thanks so much, Justin, for being here. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>